In September 1994, young pupils attending an expensive private school in Zimbabwe claimed that they had witnessed a spacecraft landing just outside the school. They further claimed that alien creatures disembarked from the craft and advanced towards the children whilst communicating telepathically a message about environmental protection. Then they jumped back in their spacecraft and flew away again. Join us on Aliens Explored as we discuss the aerial school UFO close encounter of the third kind. Aliens Explored is a weekly podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? Welcome back, listeners, to Aliens Explored, your weekly podcast where we look at UFO encounters, UAPs, cattle mutilations, alien abductions, the people behind it all, the people investigated, and all aspects that you can think of, and even a few that you might not wish to. I am one of your hosts, Stu Jackson. And I'm your other host, Neil Kelly. How are you today? I'm 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 I was about to say I'm good. Um I'm in a lot of pain <laughs> and I'm exhausted. But are, other are, than you, that, are you feeling cold? Because I couldn't help but notice you seem to be wearing a polar neck sweater. Oh, uh, not especially, no. Um, I'm wearing this because I, I went out to my therapy session earlier and it's, it's, a, it's really bizarre. <laughs> um, I, I dress up slightly for my therapy. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like I... I mean, I don't like go oh, suit and shirt and tie. Uh, I'm, I'm in jeans at the moment. But, but, but you know, you're, you're out, make out so you, you make, make a bit more effort than if you're just going to be slobbing around at home. Yeah, I, I do that, I think, most I, of us. I do. Um, I think it helps me to, kind of, in, in my own head, sort of takes it that bit more seriously, that bit more formally. Um, okay, yeah. I, I just I just mentioned it because I'm sat here in my, as you can see, my Aliens Explored t-shirt and a pair of shorts, and I'm sweltering here. So I noticed you wearing what appeared to be a winter attire. <laughs> I thought, yeah, you you experiencing very different weather than what we're we're experiencing here in here in South London. <coughs> it is really hot here at the moment in the UK. Um, mm. Yeah, we've now that summer's over, now summer's finished, we seem to be getting summer. <laughs> yeah. It's often the way, that's, that's my memory as a child as well, that, you know, in the run-up to the school holidays, in, in Britain the school holidays are only six weeks, 
and they tend to run from the end of July to 2nd or 3rd of September. And uh, yeah, running up to the, the school holidays, you will be going to school in just your shirt sleeves. You'll be, made, as a child, small child, you may be having lessons out, more, spending more time outside, playing games outside, having lessons on the field and whatever, sitting under a tree for story time. And then first day of the summer holidays, you're indoors looking out at the rain. And then first day back at school in September, sweltering hot again. That's yeah. yeah. That's always been the pattern. I think that is the normal pattern, and we just don't. We're in denial about it. Well, because you think it's yes. summer. It should be so hot. Uh, uh, <laughs> it should be definitely, mm. definitely. Well, somewhere it does get very, very hot. Uh, of course, mm. is Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe in southern Africa. Yes. How's that for a segue? That's a great segue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this is our subject for today, um, and indeed, so we're recording it. It's, it's the fifth of September um, when we're recording it. This was an incident that happened on the sixteenth of September. So uh, in uh, Rua, I believe it's pronounced. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. I've only ever seen it written down. R U W A. I assume it's yes. pronounced Rua. Rua. Yeah. Um, uh, so. Six- 16th of September 1994. So, what's that? 20, 29 uh, tw- years ago. 29 years ago. Oh Just my coming goodness. up. Uh, when lots of children, uh, 62, I believe, um, witnessed a UFO land. So figures come out. Spoke to them telepathically. 62, again. 62 children at the school. Um, but that's not all the children at the school. No. Um, no. Now, Zimbabwe, where this happened, um, is a former British colony. It was named after Cecil Rhodes. It was Rhodesia. Um, and it points out that most of these children are from wealthy white families in Harare, formerly yes. Salisbury. Um, so... They're there as a kind of, I guess they're they're Africans, they're, but they're white, wealthy Africans of European origin. Uh, the a, a legacy of a legacy of colonialism, but an expensive private school. Yes. Um, okay, so I don't know why that's relevant, but it seems it, it's the um, mention is made of it very early on in the story. That, well, um, one this... thing I will say it, I find quite odd about that. So it is, you're absolutely right, it is a wealthy private school. Mm. The children were playing outside at break. All the teachers were inside having a meeting. You would have thought of these wealthy private schools in Africa, there would be at least one adult keeping an eye on the children for safety in 1994. You would think, wouldn't you? I mean, Rua is described as um, it was only a local place name, little more than a crossroads in an agricultural region, but with an expensive private school situated mm. there as well. I mean, maybe that's what's that's what's made it a town. I don't know how long the school has been there. Um, and it was, according to the Wikipedia entry, I mean, for a couple of days prior to the incident at the school, there have been a number of UFO sightings across southern Africa. Reports of a bright fireball passing through the sky at night. 
Yeah. Uh, um, some interpreted by some as a comet or a media, a meteor. Uh, but there, there was a wave of UFO mania in Zimbabwe at the time. People calling into ZBC, I assume that's Zimbabwe Broadcasting Corporation. They, they requested call-ins. Mania is quite a, an emotive term to use there, Neil. It, it, it is the, it's the term used by Wikipedia. They said there was a UFO, a wave of UFO mania in Zimbabwe at the time. So setting the scene for this, um, this alleged encounter with... Um, 62 pupils at this school, aged between 6 and 12. Now See, they mania say this... puts in mind that, that mental disturbances and things like that. That's a, that's a very emotive leading... I'm, I'm not saying you, but... Mm. but all right, Wikipedia. All right. But that's let, a very let, leading term to use. Let, let's, all right, let's, in more neutral terms, interest in UFOs had been elevated prior to this yep. incident by yep. various sightings in the sky and a radio show requesting, you know, having call-ins about it. They'd have been so, on the um, news, they'd have been talked about. It would have been at the forefront of everybody's minds. Absolutely. Mm. Now, a guy called Brian Dunning claims that the fireball had been the re-entry of the Zenit 2 rocket from the Cosmos 2290 satellite launch. Um, the, this, the booster broke up into burning streaks as it moved silently across the sky, giving an impressive light show to millions of Africans. It wouldn't have been silent, wouldn't it? You just wouldn't have been able to hear it because it's miles up in the sky. Yeah. To be clear, uh, for the listeners, the fireball described was what happened a couple of days prior to mm -hmm. the area school incident. It's not, it's not the same incident as such. Um, just, yeah, a couple of days prior. And, mm. yeah, that guy might have been right. Or he might not have been. Or it might have been a meteor. Or, yeah, who knows. He's he's noted as a as a UFO sceptic. So mm -hmm. um, he's straight away found an explanation for something that, that could have been what they saw, but wasn't necessarily what they saw. I mean, you can never say, well, what you saw was this, or... All you can say really is, well, there was something going on in the sky at the time. That might have been what you saw. Yeah. But the incident we're talking about specifically, so coming back to the 16th, you're absolutely mm. right. And I think it's important to sort of frame that setting of... Mm -hmm. For a couple of days beforehand, there'd been lots of lights in the sky. People have been talking about this. But, uh, yeah, the, the, these 62 children, so aged between 6 and 12... Mm -hmm. um, I think there were 80 odd children or about 80 children out on break at the time but okay. only 62 of them confirmed seeing this um, it took place over a period of about 15 minutes time where a silvery mm. disc landed in a group of trees not far away and mm -hmm. some tall beings described with large eyes and the kids drew pictures in the class as well of this this silvery disc and these beings um mm. look yeah tall beings with large eyes sounds like greys to me but <laughs> oh greys quite short aren't they, aren't they little guys about three foot tall uh, they... there are some of them yeah they, they, okay they vary. 
There, there are different types of grey aliens. We ought to do a, okay. an episode just on the different types of aliens that people have reported. That'd be quite interesting. Mm. Now, um, 62 children said they saw this thing. Mm-hmm. If there's only 80 children in the school, you can imagine, well... 62 of them have been were were actually in the playground for instance and saw this thing happening outside the school and that the other 18 were somewhere else they they were so indoors it's about or, 15 of them that were on break with them who mm. claimed not to have seen anything but they um, were but, amongst the other 62 that's one of the um, curious aspects about this well i think the no the numbers are, aren't quite cuz um, this report here, there were interviews carried out by um, a Harvard University professor, John Mack, mm-hmm. um, the BBC's correspondent, um, Tim Leach, mm-hmm. and uh, who's the other one? Um, someone, someone Mack. I'm just going to. Anyway, third I person. I've got a um, note of that. Um, but they they noted it's been noted that. Dozens more children who who were present stated they had not seen the UFO or anything unusual. So that kind of suggests it doesn't specifically say, but it suggests that they were in the playground. They were just as capable of seeing anything coming down. But they're saying, well, no, we didn't see anything. Oh, so, dozens. I I might have just read it as dozen, a dozen. No, it's a dozen <laughs> more children. It doesn't okay, say exactly how many. Well. So that could um, be yeah, any number over twenty-four. And the stories from those 62 are somewhat inconsistent in that some say it was only one being that came out of the craft um, mm. and others say up to four came out. Mm. Here's... The, here's yeah. I mean, it sounds like I'm doing your job for you here, being a sceptic <laughs> and picking okay. holes in the story. <laughs> I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, you're suggesting I'm not keeping up my end of the conversation. No, right? no, no, not at, yeah. all, not at all. Um, but I think it's important to sort of look at this and, and, and factor it in. And for me, one of the things that... This would have been, for some children, an incredibly traumatic and terrifying experience. Hmm. And the mind has a powerful, especially in young children who are, their brains are still developing, developing, the brains are still forming, um, the ability to basically blank out Hmm. stuff you don't want to see. It's something we do like, you know, there's a monster in your room, you pull the cover over your head. That's not going to stop a monster. We know that. Hmm. But... It's kind of like if you can't see it, it's like ah, oh, I'm not looking. Like mm. that kind of that. If you can't see it, it can't hurt you. Uh, mentality. Mm. It, it's a really strong driver. So I, that's what I'm ascribing those children who didn't see something to, or kids who saw different numbers of these creatures. Um. But it doesn't just stop with them coming out and walking towards them. They start to speaking to some of the children telepathically. They all talk about like <clears throat> just hearing them speaking in the brains, not through their ears. They'll describe telepathy, even though not all of them used those words. Mm. Um, and it was all about, interestingly enough, um, environmental issues and, uh, you know doing harm to the planet yeah 
you've got to do something. Yeah. Yeah, humanity's I mean, I know, destroying the planet. I know in a school playground, especially, I mean, I guess we're talking junior school or probably prep school for these, these children, um, gaslighting is a big thing that you, know, you get a couple of influential older pupils who make something up and then they'll say to a younger kid, what, you didn't see it? And of course the younger kids going to go, oh yeah, yeah, I did see it, yeah. And they, they will maintain that they saw something just because they've been, you know, they don't want to get bullied or laughed at by by the older kids. Yeah, uh, um, that kind of peer pressure, that that's a very real, and, and yeah, hmm. I, I can't rule that out. But 62 children, that sounds like, that's a lot for for something like that. I'm I'm sure there have been other incidents relating to other things we've got. Well, I'm thinking <laughs> the thing that springs to mind is the Salem witch trials, mm-hmm. where where one person claims they've seen something and then another person latches onto it and they back the story up, even though they haven't actually seen anything, but they they've heard enough of the story that they can fabricate evidence. Yeah, everyone wants to be in on it. Oh yeah, we saw this thing. Isn't it amazing? And kids like to tell a story. They like to you know. Suddenly, suddenly, people are taking an interest in them. People are interviewing them. There has been some criticism. Brian Dunning, that devoted an episode of his Skeptoid podcast to the incident, um, he criticised the interviewing techniques. Um, he said that one of the interviewers, Hind, interviewed the children in groups of four to six, with the other children allowed to listen to the stories as they're being cross-examined. So they've they've just heard what their friends said. So they, they just back it up. Um, and some uh, Mac only interviewed children two months after the alleged sighting. And Dunning says that Mac is a known environmentalist, so he could have prompted or suggested the uh, the telepathic communication angle about about environmental protection. Well, that doesn't make sense because they were talking about this before Mac interviewed them. Were they? Yes. Is that what they yeah, said, they were, or was that... They were talking about it in class. I mean, the, the, the teacher had them all draw pictures of what they saw and things like that and mm. um, talk about it. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it's, it's recorded. It was... Um... Okay, what, what I mean here is that in Mac's interviews, <coughs> Mac being... Mac being... Sorry, I've got a... Uh, he's a Harvard University professor of psychiatry, John Mack. Mm-hmm. visited the aerial school to interview witnesses and as Dunning has said it was sorry I've, I've just lost my lost my place Mac only interviewed the children two months after the alleged yeah. sighting well you and interview them when you get chance you, you interview know, them when you, you get chance be... but as it happened it was it was it was two months after it and and mm-hmm. that was when um this message about the environmental protection, the the tele because it said, um, so according to Max interviews, so two months after the event, the creature or creatures, according to which kids you spoke to, then telepathically communi- communicated to the children an environmental message, and then they got back in their in their craft and flew away. So um, Dunning is saying this telepathic message aspect was not included in the other reports only in only in max hind reported it after the event i'm sure i've read differently but 
I, I'm, I'm not going to. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm not going to start plowing through the entire <laughs> internet uh, uh, while no. we're recording. Uh, but, but, but what we've got that, is it, is this this yeah. idea that uh, John Mack, a, a professor of psychiatry, visited the children two months after the event, and that was the mm-hmm. first time. But then it might have been retrofitted to say, oh, no, we were talking about this right from the start, but it seems... Uh, and he's a known environmentalist. I mean, it would have been very unprofessional to project his opinions into into what these children had telepathically communicated to them. It, it would. Maybe he thought, yeah, the end justifies the means. Like that, if you're going to lead children, and if you can lead them that specifically about, oh, yeah, they talk telepathically mm. for... Like, your the number of beings that they saw would then be consistent because you'd be leading them about other details as well. Hmm. So if they were being led, if you know, if the gaslighting, as you put it, like was taking place, then yeah, it, the whole thing would be much more consistent. Yeah, I mean, one of the interviews unified story. Yeah. Um, there's a story about Hind. Hind visited the school on the twentieth of September. She interviewed some of the children, asked them to draw. She was on asked them to draw pictures. Um, children were adamant that they hadn't seen a plane, but she noted that the different cultural background of the children. I wouldn't. There didn't seem to be much diversity from what I, I read. That they were all white, wealthy Zimbabweans, Imagine mostly British yeah. descent. I mean, maybe some of them were Afrikaner descent, you know, they've come across mm-hmm. the border. But Hind noted that the different background gave rise to different interpretations of what they'd seen. Mm-hmm. They did not all believe that they'd seen extraterrestrials. No. No. Um, some of the children thought that the little beings were something called Tikoloshes, that are creatures of uh, Shona and Endebele, you know, local, local folklore. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's so, it. You 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 see something you don't understand, you don't recognise. You you kind of you reframe it to fit the narrative that is closest to. Um, that that's not an uncommon thing. That's why we now talk like about um, stories about people seeing fairies or you know goblins mm. and things like that. We now look at them in a different light and say, well, could it have been extraterrestrials that they saw? Because of that yeah. very um, that very thing, they, they've seen something it, so extraordinary that their brain can't process it. So they've they've their, their brain has actually moulded it into something else, something that they they do know about from their from their folklore. But of course, and, as we get older, um, as we as we grow up, we can look back at elements of our childhood and recontextualize them we can understand things far better as adults Mm. and of course like i said this was 29 years ago these children that were well they're now 35 to 41 years old Mm. they're adults most of them won't talk about it right most of them won't talk about the incident at all. Some not not them, even to say, oh yeah, it was just something we made up as kids and we had all nope. the adults going. Nope, they won't won't do that. Um, some of them even won't even tell their partners hmm. about this event. 
Um, but one in particular, uh, Emily Trim, uh, she was part of a documentary uh, fairly recent, like last couple of years, mm. um, on this. And she revisited the school, talking very clearly, very, you know... I, I, I understand the mind's capability of reinterpreting information but um there there was a book i read oh many years ago called the perfect victim it was a true story a horrifying true story mm. uh of a woman who was abducted as a um as a, as a young woman i think i don't think she was mm. a child but certainly a young woman um and she was kept in a box underneath this couple's bed they, they lived in like you know trailer park style lifestyle um and over the course of years she was reprogrammed and retrained to kind of think that if she went out the door all this guy like the 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 man in this uh relationship um should he'd have people watching her and Mm. reporting back and and you know she she eventually got rescued and reintegrated into society, but that deprogramming took an awful lot. So I know that people can be... We often program ourselves as well by telling ourselves the same story over and over again mm. until it becomes truth. Um, but but still, the way Emily Trim talks, um, I don't know. It, it, this, it doesn't have that ring to it for me. Um do you remember the story of the photographs of the fairies that yes. happened in about was it just after the First World War, wasn't it? In fact, it might have been during the First World War that these two girls borrowed a camera. Yes. You know, in those days, one that, that took plates. Uh, and a they, brownie, they ca- ironically. Was it a brownie? And they came back <laughs> with these photos of what looked like fairies that no one yeah. could disprove. And it was only, I think, when they were these... these Girls were in their in their dotage when they were old age they pensioners. They were in their sixties. Yeah, mm. that they finally admitted the, how they'd done the trick. Yeah, and until then, they were just accepted as being totally true. And yeah, there were there were basically paper cutouts that they yeah. put on sticks on on a on a on a mm. wire that was so thin it was invisible, which gave a sort of slight so that. People said, no, I can... People look at the photo and they said, well, I, no, I can tell that that thing's actually moving. There's a slight blur around the edges in the clear photo. And of course, that was just it slightly moving in the wind. And, mm. um, yeah. So children... It's we know still that children, debated to this day, though. Still debated to this day, but, you know, we... It fooled people for a very... It, if it didn't fool people, there, there were people who... I guess there were people who believed it and other people who didn't believe it but couldn't work out how it had been done. And if they cut these pictures of fairies out of books, they couldn't find books with bits cut out. They they, they managed to to hide all the evidence of their of their deceit, if you can call it a deceit. But um, yeah, a lot of people yeah they didn't believe it, but they they couldn't work out how it was done. I I they believe they uh, claim to have drew drawn the pictures themselves. Okay, which would explain that. Um, but, but no, but there they were are very people well... that that will tell you that they were put under duress to claim it was faked. I mean, and these girls weren't small children, whether they were teenagers, sort of sixteen or seventeen years old. I think they were. 
Well, they I were... don't know if they were as old as that. I thought more 11, 12, but I might be wrong. I might be okay, wrong but, but old enough to draw properly and to use a camera, mm-hmm. and yeah, these aren't... Yeah, I thought they were maybe 16 or something like that. I'd have to, I'd have I mean, to look it up. children back then weren't distracted by Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> but but they, they did it for no other reason than just to just to play a trick, just to enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, telling a story and that, that seems yeah. out, outrageous and getting tricking people into believing it. You can imagine, I can quite easily imagine children of the age of these ones getting all in on this thing and... You know, there would have been a few who said they they didn't see anything, but they wouldn't. They haven't got. There, there's no one there saying actually I was there, I was with them, and nothing happened. I didn't see anything at all. What they all they've got is a few kids who are saying, well, I didn't see. I, you know, their 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 actual location is in, a bit in doubt. Cynthia Hyde, by the way, is a local UFO researcher, or was, mm-hmm. and yeah, she had better um, to go and interview the kids. Yeah, and she had recorded other alien sightings at the time, including mm. a daylight sighting by a young boy and his mother uh, and and a report of alien beings on a road by a trucker. So, you know... Okay, be- before was we a... divert too far away from it, I, I just want to address that point mm. about, um, the, like, the, the, your, your, your analogy with the, mm. the fairies. Um, mm. So there is a recognised psychological, um, not phenomena, um, uh, 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 pattern. Hmm. Um, I, there is a ne- there's even a name for it, and I forget what the name is. But it's the case of the more people that hold a secret, hmm. the less likely it is that that secret's integrity is maintained. Um, mm. But it's like an exponential curve. It's not just a, well, you know, if like one person knows a secret, they'll keep the secret. Two people know it, you've twice the chance. No, it's like if, if, if two people know it, all right, it might be twice the chance. If three people know it, it's it's like it becomes five times the chance. If mm. four people know it, it's like twenty times. You know, it's a really steep curve. So for sixty-two children to keep the secret. For for twenty nine years, mm. that's almost almost a statistical impossibility. It 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 will have crossed that that threshold that event horizon of being able to keep a secret. But have they all kept a secret? That's the thing. Um, have some of them spoken out? But you know, just there's just been no interest. None of them have come forward and said yes. We made it up. Not publicly, anyway, or not. It's not been reported. I mean, I know there have been more reports of. To, and and to to qualify, just in case any of our listeners are thinking, hang hmm. on, what about like government secrets? No, we're we're talking about secrets without consequence. So, like you know, if you sign the Official Secrets Act, that's very different because there are real consequences to you, um, talking about it. I'm talking about consequence-free secrets. But I can also imagine some of the pupils there, especially some of the older ones who who didn't see anything, when they were told about the story, they, they would have persuaded some of these younger kids, isn't it? You didn't see anything. I don't believe you. Admit but, it. You know, admit it or I'll, I'll take your lunch money and give you a wedgie. 
Okay, I'd but miss that, it. I never saw that. Wouldn't hold the sway twenty nine years later that it did then. No. I mean, there have been it has been revisited in in twenty sixteen. Witness Emily Trim exhibited yes, paintings. I mentioned her earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 2016, and in June 2021, Barstool sports writer Zar spoke in an interview about being a pupil that day, and uh, he saw the bright light come down from the sky and the aliens come out. Um, there was a 2020 documentary called The Phenomenon, in which um, in which um, other witnesses have, have spoken about how the experience has affected them. So, yeah. Maybe they were persuaded that what they really saw really was real. Is that, um, uh, as we as we reach the end of this week's podcast, is that the uh, fence you're sitting on is... Ah, they were persuaded. They were persuaded, yeah. I'm sitting on the fence. Um, I, I, I'm very sceptical of the story that they actually, you know, a UFO came down, alien beings came out to these small children at school and passed them an environmental message. I mean, I suppose, yeah, aliens from a different from a different galaxy might not know what, well, they wouldn't know what human beings were like and they wouldn't realise they were talking to small children with undeveloped brains, maybe. Um, but... Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm going with the, the the kind of mass hysteria that can occur in a school playground. I don't know why it hasn't since been recanted, but uh, yeah, I can. So for my part, I can see the possibility of the story getting embellished or hmm. conflated, but I'm absolutely convinced there is the the grain, the nugget of truth in this story, that these 62 children, probably more, but others too scared to admit it perhaps to themselves even, um, but they saw something, a phenomenon really bizarre. Yeah, I'm, I'm certain they saw a craft land and these strange beings get out. Beyond that, yeah. I, like I say, I can I can see the possibility for misremembering, embellishment, things like that. Mm. But uh, no, I'm I'm certain something happened. But what do you think, listeners? We always like to know mm. what you think about these stories. Is the aerial school incident uh, a really important case in ufology, or is it, as Neil thinks, just a case of a load of kids making stuff up? <laughs> <laughs> You can let us know what you think via the usual means. You can email us, aliensexplored at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching Aliens Explored. Or you can put a comment in one of our YouTube channel videos. Or if you are one of our Patreon subscribers, then you get exclusive access to our Discord server where you can communicate with us that way and, of course, talk to other like-minded people as well. All it costs is just £2 a month and, uh, yeah, you get access to that and you get our appreciation as well. Join us next time, though, when... Oh, yes... Exciting one for you, Neil. We're going to talk about a debunker. Hmm. Philip J. Class. Looking forward so to that one. that one. 
No. Absolutely. In the meantime, everyone, keep watching out for these strange craft landing just outside the school. Don't keep an eye on schools, though. That would just be wrong on so many levels. <laughs> but do keep watching the schools. Take just, care make sure, just make sure you turn up to pick the kids up all the time. <laughs> <laughs>